Welcome to the Adventure Mechanics, and today I have a real treat for everyone. Today I am going to play the interview that I had with Royal Cannell, a associate producer of Morrowind that oversaw world building. Forgive the audio, because this was recorded on the third day of a board game convention, so everybody was tired, and I didn't think that I would need to have a quiet room for some god-awful reason. I'll be including a copy of the transcript for those that have issues separating the sounds of the hall versus what we are saying in the interview itself. That being said, enjoy. I'm talking with Royal Connell. 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 I'm going to mangle that again, and I've talked, been friends with you for years. What the hell? Everybody mangles my name. <laughs> in a lot of cases, I don't even correct it, but it's okay. Um, so you said you were a associate producer yeah. on world building for Morrowind. Correct. Okay. Um, before I dive into it, let's ask the questions that Devin posted. Because they had some good ones. First one, uh, what was the weirdest thing to happen in your time working with Morrowind? The weirdest thing that happened... Well, as far as Morrowind goes, or as far as things that affected all of us, because 9-11 happened right there in the middle of me working there. Um, well, is that the one that stuck out most for you? Uh, you know, weird is a, is a strange question, right? Because um, we were all weird, right? <laughs> like, the weirdest thing that happened, like, weird happened kind of every day. Um, we... It, 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 it's interesting because we kind of worked in a basement um, that, and they were renovating the space. So we were kind of moved around, like, moved around into like, we were in this one little like back room for a while. And then they renovated the main space. We kind of moved out of there into this space. Um, but, but we were in a basement. We had no no natural sunlight or, you know, all of this cave effectively uh, working uh, on the project on uh, Marlin. Um, and the world outside just didn't exist when we were working uh, until suddenly it did that one day. Um, <laughs> and we, we had like a little cafeteria space with like the widescreen TVs. Uh, and I used to get there at super early in the morning because I lived quite a ways away from D.C. traffic near D.C. D.C. traffic is not something you want to do during rush hour. Yeah, I can imagine um, that's painful. And Bethesda required us to be there uh, for, I want to say, 10 o'clock to 1 o'clock, 10 o'clock to 2 o'clock. Anyway, a, a period of time in the middle of the day, because that's when all of our meetings were. You were required to be there for meeting times. Um, but when you came in and when you left was kind of up in the air um, as long as you got your work done, put in your time or whatever. Um, so a couple of us would get there super early in the morning. Um, and then, you know, when we, you know, we weren't having to be there longer to get something out, the, you know, get something done, uh, we would leave earlier than the rest of them. Um, and I was one of those people, so... So I had been there, and, and those of us that got there early wouldn't even bother turning the lights off. We'd just be in our little area with the only lights being our, our 
monitors. So you got like the glows from. Oh the yeah, <laughs> yeah. We, we were total cave trolls, um, and we'd be sitting there doing our thing, and and most of us that got there that early didn't sit near each other either. So uh, it was really kind of isolated for the first several hours, which is when we got all of our work done because nobody was there to bug us, right? Fair. Um, you know, because there, there's a lot of distractions. Um, I think more distractions working in video gaming than there ever was in any other industry I've worked in. Because, I mean, we're all nerdy to an extent and you have somewhat similar interests. You know, we, and there's you know, video game systems sitting around and you know, just things to do in the, in the space that aren't just working. Um, and so we do um, market research and quote unquote and, uh, play other games. You know. I remember for a while people were playing like Conquer's Bad Fur Day or whatever, which was, if you're not familiar with it, is a relatively raunchy game, I especially for the time. I forgot that came out before Morrowind. <laughs> yeah. Uh, somebody brought that in, and, and that was that was a thing for a minute. Um, Did that color any of the world building? <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't think so, because uh, it's very different uh, in style. Fair enough. But yeah, so so yeah, back to the, the, the 9/11 thing, right? So uh, we were there like super early, and uh, you know, somebody came in after the I guess after the first plane event. It came around to all of our desks. Holy crap! You, this thing happened. We're like, you know, a plane hit the, hit the tower. What? You know, you're kidding, right? So, the rest of the day was wasted. We were all we all went into the, the, the cafeteria where the big TV was. We were just there watching this thing. And because of where we were located, the plane that, that hit the Pentagon flew right over our door. Right, right past our door. Oh wow! Not that we would have known because we couldn't see out the windows anyway. But. Um, <laughs> There. That plane effectively flew right over. We were right there in D.C. Uh, you know, and it wasn't quite as crazy as New York was. Um, but suddenly we were, you know, our phones were blowing up from everybody. Like, you okay? I'm like, I'm, nowhere, I'm not near the Pentagon. I'm like, it, it flew over us. But we're not there, right? Yeah. Um, but we knew, everybody that worked there knew people that worked you know, in the Pentagon or near the Pentagon. Suddenly it was like, holy shit. Is that okay? Is, is this person okay? Uh, and it's weird. It's like such a so much of a I, it, from talking to people after the fact, you know, that lived other places. I think it impacted those that lived in New York and in D.C. way differently than it impacted. I mean, not that it didn't impact those that lived on the other side of the country or whatever, but it was very different for those of us that lived in those areas. Yeah. Um, Especially so that's the, I think that's the, the, the weirdest thing, quote unquote, that happened, that was external that happened to us. Um, internal, like I said, it was, it was, it was kind of weird every day, and we did weird things every day. Um, we kind of had it, at least in the world building side, we, we would throw in Easter eggs and jokes, and, like a lot of the inside jokes of the studio manifested in the game in one way or another. Um, some of some of which then got taken by the players way further than we ever expected. Um, what was one that kind of comes to mind? Oh, so the so the biggest shining example of that is we had the, the a, kind of a not not long after you first start the game, 
uh, not very far away, there's this, you come across, you're going down a path, and this guy just comes falling out of the sky and just dies in the path right in front of you, right? Uh, and we thought that was hilarious, you know, it's like, he, you know, you read his journal or whatever, he's making some, you know, flying potion or jumping potion or whatever. But basically, what it, he had a couple of potions on him in, in this journal. And if you drank the journal, it would jack your athletics through the roof, such that if you were to drink it and jump, it would transport you, like, ridiculously out of the world, and, and then it would wear off. And, you know, or, or then you'd land, right? Or, you know, or, I don't remember. You weren't, you weren't intended to survive it, right? The intention was that you'd drink this thing and die just like he did, right? Um, well, the speedrun community got a hold of this and, and used it to jump to the top of the volcano and basically end the game early. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so completely used in a way that we hadn't intended, um, which was crazy. Did you, like, you knew that was an inside joke, and when you kind of found out that happened, did that yeah, was it, like... Yeah, it, it was cool. You know, it was super cool. Uh, <laughs> and we, we have a... Uh, we, we crack jokes on the, the fact that you, you open up barrels and just get a random... Oh, this, this barrel had a pillow in it. What's that all about? Um, why, why does somebody have a pillow in a barrel? So we made this lady that collects pillows. Right, and if you go to her house, she kind of complains about that she's missing a shipment of pillows. Well, there's a shipwreck off the shore that is like full of this lady's shipment of pillows, right? <laughs> that she's waiting for, and stuff like that. Um, a lot of us put, a lot of us at the time were, were playing other games, like you know, EverQuest was big at the time, and stuff like that. Like, my entire EverQuest guild is in the game somewhere. Like, oh, every really? Single one of the, every single one of those. Uh, characters um, is in one way or another in the game in one place or another because we had to name all these characters something like oh your name sounds very nordic you're, you're a nord now random nord number 53 now is named after this everquest guy I oh do. that's like, amazing um <laughs> i think my character my, my character is like a guard somewhere i don't remember where we put them all we just we were randomly naming characters they all had to have a name so we're like uh, oh yeah that guy from EverQuest, put him in there. You know, that guy, put a stick him in there. Uh, so yes, there's, there's a lot of that kind of Easter egg stuff that is that is only recognizable by us, and there's some that is, you know, the player base has you know, figured out and may not have known the background to it, but it, it makes me chuckle thinking about it. Fair enough. Um, yeah, what was the most interesting and maybe more most fun part of uh, working on Morrowind to you? To me, so I did a lot of research. Um, I think the, the coolest thing that I got to contribute to Morrowind, which then kind of got retconned a little bit after I left, uh, but so Morrowind was the first time that you could be an orc as a playable race. Uh, before that, orcs were not playable. They were, they were an NPC class only, or NPC race only. Um, and so... I was tasked with developing what the orcs were like, such that lore could be made from them and whatever. Um, and so I envisioned the orcs as um, kind of a mix between Mongol society and like a matriarchal society, where the men were always off fighting or whatever, and the women were back 
running the, the show, running the, the villages, running whatever. And I had pages upon pages upon pages of more that I had done from researching Mongols, researching matriarchal societies, and kind of blending those together with some, you know, um, Elder Scrolls flair to it. Um, and the interesting thing about the Elder Scrolls lore is that all lore in the Elder Scrolls is written from the viewpoint of whoever's writing it, right? So there's lots of lore in Elder Scrolls that con contradicts each other because this group might tell the same story very differently than this group over yeah. here does, uh, which is one of those things that I always love that Elder Scrolls did that a lot of other role-playing systems don't. Like, they'll come up with this lore, but it's very uniform in every group every book you find on it seems to tell the same story and there's tons of lore in the game of the Elder Scrolls games that has nothing at all to do with the overall lore of the world right it's just it's random stuff random book random this random that and if you actually sit down and read it some of it's very funny or, you know interesting or cool right? or like the 12 um, things of Amalexia yeah you know it's like Ed. I, it, it's, it's, I am a lore person, right? And so it, it, uh, we had working with us um, Ken Ralston, who, uh, who, who is amazing, one of the most genius uh, guys I have ever worked with. Um, and he would, he would just he'd come up with these ideas, and like that is that is cool, you know, whatever. And so I took a lot of uh, uh, inspiration from kind of how he was, what he did. Um, he, if you're familiar at all with the paranoia role-playing game, he's the guy who kind of gave the computer its voice in that role-playing game. Okay. Um, uh, so, uh, so we did a lot of that. We kind of did all kinds of more stuff. But that's the stuff that really interested me. And as part of that, uh, one of the other things I did while I was there is, is help kind of create an, an elvish dictionary uh, so a lot of the elvish in the game um, means something the elvish words you see in the game mean something and there and it's not like it's not Tolkien level means something right that is yeah. that's a whole nother level we, we weren't trying to create a language uh, with, with grammar and everything it was it was very much kind of a one-for-one -one, you know mer you know all birds, high elf, right? It's like literally Bosworth, wood elf. Orsimer, right? Yeah. It's an Orsimer, it's an elf. Orcs are an elf race. It's that mer on there, which is elf. Which isn't caught by a lot of people. I can tell you really start to think about the fact that this is their language. So I did a lot of that. We always had it. But it wasn't documented, right? So okay. I, I, I went through and, and tried to take all these bits that were out there that nobody had really written down and tried to document them into a document, um, which I'm sure has been expanded upon since I left there. Um, did kind of building off of that, did, did you uh, spend much time doing anything with the uh, Dunmer, the Dark Elves, or was that well, well, I mean, someone else? So. A lot of the main storyline stuff, the Dunmer were, were so huge in the main storyline, uh, were done by, by Ken. Uh, okay. They were very focused 
people that were doing the main storyline and the main story, um, and like I said, uh, those people worked most of the main story stuff. Um, a lot of my job was everything else. Okay. Um, I mean, not everything else, but you know, my the, job was was less focused on the main storyline and more focused on the filling out the world. Um, and, and the team that I worked with was filling out the world. Um, while while those people that were dedicated to the main storyline did the main storylines. The Dunmore was were, were a huge part of it. So I didn't touch Dunmore as much uh, because they were they were too wrapped up in the main storyline. Oh, fair enough. Um, what was one thing that you worked on that kind of got left on the cutting room floor that you wished ended up in the story? Or if nothing, everything, nothing. everything I did ended up in the game somehow. Um, oh. It may have been tweaked, but nothing that I did didn't make it into the game. That's kind of impressive, honestly. <laughs> you don't have time to do stuff that doesn't get into the game. Okay. Um, so. Part of Todd's job, uh, Todd Howard, uh, is to say, this is what we're doing and this is what we're not doing. So things that go to the cutting room floor go to the cutting room floor before they get to me. Okay. Um, so at the time that, that I was working on it, it was going to go into the game. I mean, we were, this needs to be done, this is going in. We have, you know, these hundreds of dungeons that need to be built, all of them have been built. Fair enough. We have... You know, this needs to be done. It's going in the game, right? By the time that, that my team was getting it, it was already going in the game. Uh, we weren't, we weren't uh, at the level where we were like, here's a bunch of ideas. Some of them will make it in and some of them won't. Um, that was done. It just wasn't done by us. Fair enough. How big was your team? Out of curiosity. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> it, that's really weird to say. Um, do you mean my team, the world building team, or my yeah, team? like the world building team? Uh, I think that we had like was it seven, eight people at, at kind of our peak. Um, okay. We we grew and grew. Um, when I started there, there was, there was just a couple of us. Um, we grew as we went on, and nine eleven happened, and like half of us got let go, uh, myself included. Um, which really kind of sucked. Um, so I left actually before Marlon was released, which is why in the credits I'm not credited properly. That's unfortunate. Uh, I was bitter about it for a long time. I, I can imagine. I'm, I'm not so much now, <coughs> but it would have been nice to be credited with what I actually did. So games are collaborative collaborative effort obviously um, with a lot of people touching it and a lot of talent but often games are attributed to a small handful of people is there a particular way you felt like you left your mark besides like my mark yeah oh, my, my biggest mark okay my biggest mark is so big it can be seen from the overhead map because uh, I'm the guy who put the shrine of Azura on the southeast coast okay okay uh, and I totally took inspiration of that from the giant Jesus in, in Rio de Janeiro. And I'm like, that is cool, and I want something like that. So there is a shrine to Azura on the southeast coast that I literally just took the shrine that the artists have made for, like, everywhere in the world, and I blew it up to astronomical proportions and slapped it on the coast because that's what you do. And because the way they took the picture for the map was to zoom the camera way the F up here and just 
shoot down, that thing is big enough to be seen from space. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> that, and, and, when they put Morrowind into Elder Scrolls Online, that statue, or their version of it, is still there. That's amazing. <laughs> so I didn't even work on Elder Scrolls Online, but my influence is still in the Elder Scrolls Online because of the work I did in Morrowind. Oh, that's amazing. So there you go. There's, <laughs> a lot of my orc stuff got, got messed around with and, and changed. I, I still think it would have been better if they'd left it alone. Um, but that, that is still there to this day in, in current iterations of Elder Scrolls. That is awesome. Um, yeah, as one of the many people who worked on the game, uh, what are your thoughts of Marwin's legacy? Like the, the almost fever dream it's, that it's, kind of came at that wild, moment. It's wild, right? So a couple things happened. Um, Bethesda at that time was not at all known for putting out bug-free games. Uh, and we did... Uh, I had come from a QA uh, company before I came into them, and I convinced them really early on to do QA early, way earlier than they otherwise would have. And we actually brought in the company that I used to, that I had previously worked for to do a lot of that work, and I brought over some of the guys that I had worked for there to Bethesda. Um, in fact, the guy that ended up being the head of QA at Bethesda used to work directly with me at this other QA company. Um, and he has since gone on to do really well um, and uh, it still is in the industry. I mean, I'm not, but he is. Um, and uh, good guy. Uh, so anyway, so uh, we... So we, we, a, we, we QA'd Marwin way earlier than, than Daggerfall or Arena had been QA'd. Um, and I think that made it much more stable. I mean, not perfectly stable. It's really hard to, to make a huge open world game like that where, where almost anything is possible be completely stable. I mean, people don't understand the amount of effort that goes into QA'ing something like that. And everything that a QA person can think of doing is not going to be what the general public is going to think of doing. See exhibit A of the guy jumping to the top of the volcano. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, so, um, so there was that. But we also decided to put in, to release to the world, the world editor that we literally used to build the entire game. Right? So the world editor that the public got was the exact same world editor that, our, that we used to build the world. Uh, and so what I would do is every time we'd hire on a new world builder, I would hand them the, 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 the editor, say this is the editor for the game, and I'm not going to tell you how to use it. Right? I want you to read the help files, because I'm going to treat you like a player, like, like a person we're sending this to. I'm going to let you read the help files, I'm going to let you figure it out, and I want you to build me a dungeon. Right? We have 8 million bugs who need to go in the game. I want you to build me one. Right? Um, and I want you to use that editor. And at the end of the day, I want you to show me the dungeon you built, and I want you to tell me what it is about the editor that was clear, what was that wasn't, what help files need to be expanded, what would have been more helpful. And I would then take all of that stuff, and I'd compile it out, and I'd hand it to the guy who is in charge of programming the editor. i say, I need these changes made. Cool. That's actually right? really cool. <laughs> and because of that... Uh, the editor got better, and the editor got better, and the editor got better, and the help files got better, and when we released the game, the editor got tons of praise. 
And I'm like, because we effectively QA'd it in-house to make it better and better and better. And, and like I said, it was the editor that we used, but I wanted to make it friendly to the players. Uh, so this is the other maybe legacy that I, I put onto the game, is, is this effort of making the editor that we released to the players better than it was at the start. I mean, it, was, it wasn't that it was user-unfriendly when I started, but it could have been better, and it, and it did get better. Um, so the editor that we've released to the players will be the exact same editor we used to make the game. So if, if we could do it, they could do it. Yeah, and they've been doing it for 25 years now. They're still doing it. This is what blows my mind, right? Um, I, I don't know that we could have expected Morrowind to have the staying power that it has had. And, and what, it, it, you don't work in that industry without having at least a little bit of an ego of going, not, not necessarily that you're awesome, but, but when somebody says, holy crap, you worked on that, that's so awesome, you get like that little swallowing of pride. I had a part of that, you know? Um, so it's really cool to every, and the fact that I'm doing this interview right now at all, Right, the fact that anybody cares, like this is the only game I've worked on, right? But it's the only game anybody seems to care about that I've worked on, right? None of the other stuff that I ever worked on does anybody put any any thought into. Okay, I'll bite. What other games did you work on? <laughs> so, uh, it's the only game I worked for at Bethesda. Um, and after 9/11, it took a long time before I got I got back into the industry because nobody was hiring. Yeah. Um, but I ended up getting picked up. Um, I left the industry for a while, and uh, I came back into the industry for one title, and then after that left the industry again, because that was night and day experience. Uh, so I worked on Damnation, uh, okay. which you may or may not have heard of, and I'm probably better off if you haven't. Um, <laughs> that company, um, I don't want to massively badmouth a lot of it, but that company was not run as well as Bethesda was. Um, it was some of the most talented people I've ever worked for. And the people that I worked for there at Blue Omega uh, went on to do amazing things, right? Uh, the guy who runs Wonderstorm was our art director, right? Okay. There was who did the Dragon Prince, right? We had people leave that went and did um, work for Naughty Dog. Right. Yeah. And, and they've made amazing games. Right. We've got people that uh, that left and, and went to other game companies and did big, you know, well-known games. Right. Um, the people that I worked with there were were massively talented people that were squandered by management. Let's just put it that way. Or the Fair enough. not so much management, the owners, the the owner. Fair enough. And, and did and, you do? And well I can't say anything nice about him because uh, I, I, that's not the way I am. Fair so enough. Anyway, back tomorrow. Uh, actually, I, I have one more question on that one. <laughs> on damnation. What, yeah. What did you do on damnation? Was it the same? I was world the associate producer on damnation. So, so the, the, the funny thing. So in, in Morrowind, uh, I was the associate producer. Really, what I was in charge of was the world building aspect. Okay. On um, Damnation, I was the associate producer, and the way I like to describe my job on Damnation was, think of everything that goes into making a video game, I did everything else. <laughs> okay. Right? Because I didn't do the art, I didn't do the, like, the, 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 the world building, the, you know, the putting the world together wasn't really on me, uh, but I did a lot of the other things, right? Um, I, I helped with getting the, the uh, audio linked to 
the bow, the, the sounds, you know, the, the, the visuals, right? The, 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 this audio needs to be linked to that, that visual. I did all that back end stuff that nobody cares about, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, and I worked, you know, I, was, I oversaw the QA guys, and I oversaw this, and I made sure that the artists were talking to the programmers, the programmers were talking to the artists, and we were all kind of on the same page. So you're doing the logistics on it? Yeah. Production is, is kind of the weird part of, of, of game making, even even when I was at Morrowind, it's kind of the, you know, at Bethesda, it's, it's kind of the weird part of game making, because it's the part nobody really thinks about, like the art, the artists are, are you know, flashy, and, and oh, this art is amazing, you know, the programmers are, oh, games need to be programmed, right, you know, yeah. and, and the AI does this, and this does that, and whatever, Those pro people understand when you say, I did programming on this, or I did art on this, when you say I did, I was a producer on this, like, what, what does that even mean? Right? It's, um, we're the people that the general public doesn't notice, right? Um, I don't want to say we're management, but we're, we're kind of management. We're the we're the people. Like I said, like like Todd Howard, the, the actual the, the, the high level producer, is the one who says this goes in and this doesn't. This is our timelines, right? These are the. There's a little bit in in the real world. It's kind of like. Uh, a project manager mixed with a product manager mixed with, you know, they're the guys who make sure everything runs smoothly. Like that's what the, the producers do. Um, and that's, you know, I, I was an associate producer, which means I've worked directly for the main producer of the, of the games. That's what I did. Oh, cool. so, so I did everything the producer didn't want to do. That's, that's what I did. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> you know? I, yeah. I, I was just curious because I'm not personally familiar with Damnation, so... Yeah. I, I wanted um, to at least ask a couple questions Damnation about Damnation <laughs> should have been way better than it ended up being. Um, there was a lot, in my mind, of focusing on the wrong parts of the game. Um, too much focus was put on certain aspects of the game, and not enough focus was put on the, you know, the parts of the game that made it playable. Right? The AI was broken. Um, because... Too much focus was put on the kachunk sound of a of a gun over getting the AI right, mm. right? It's like, and um, yeah, and, and I, I can't say too much more about it without just to completely tearing apart certain individuals. Oh, um, fair enough. But let's just say that certain individuals ruined that game. The mm. the, the the design specs when I came on. Read, you know, look through the design special. This is something I want to work on. This is amazing. This is going to be cool. It should have been, um, and it wanted to be, this kind of mix of vertical Tomb Raider style gameplay with like a Gears of War style cover system. It wanted to be more than it could be, mm. uh, uh, more than it ended up being. It wanted to be more than it ended up, more than it was. Um, and I think if you go through and play the game, you can see aspects of that, where where it could have been had it had we been given the the time and the and the, the, the focus to to focus on the things that should have been done uh, instead of the things that were superficial. Okay. So. Um. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to try and tie this back to Morrowind somehow. Oh. Uh, <laughs> Night and day. Yeah. 
couples. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I guess, was there anything else that you, like, really stood out when you were doing Morrowind? Uh, that that you kind of wanted to, like, highlight or anything like that? I didn't hit the, the highlights. It, it was a... It was a cool time, right? It was a cool time in my life. Um, it was it was a chance to be part of something way bigger than me, right? Um, that has continued to be way bigger than, than me. And you know, what, probably one of the highlights of my career, even though I don't work in that industry anymore, nothing I've ever done in any industry before or since has had the staying power that that has, right? Um, and I've done some things, you know, in, in, in the industries that I've been in that have been, you know, neat for that industry, and, you know, that are, you know, that are cool if you're in that industry and that kind of thing is cool to you. But you know, being being able to be part of Morrowind, which became bigger than ourselves, um, the players took it and created. It took it way further than it ever was. It, it's huge to begin with. Um, you know, and listening to people just telling me the stories of the things they've done in the game. You know, oh, I found this thing and it was really cool. You know, it's like the fact that people are even still talking about it to this day blows my mind. Because at the time, like, when you, you know, you don't think about it that way when you're when you're working with. Right. Um, just get you want time. to make something cool, but you're so focused, you're so in the weeds on it that you're not really thinking about how is this going to have staying power, you know, 20 years from now. It's, you know, are people going to like it? Yeah. Right. Like, are people going to like it when I release it? Much less are they going to like it 20 years from now? Right. Um, and a lot of games don't have that. <laughs> no. You know. And so the fact that that game gets mentioned in the same breath as you know other games that have had that kind of staying power, and I had a small part of that, um, is it, freaking cool. It really just is. Yeah, I mean, there's the fact, that, the fact that anybody to this day would care about these stories. Is just, uh, you, you, you know, some of the people reading through this or listening to this are really like, uh, I wasn't even born yet. Right? Like, Whoa, holy crap! It, in, in full disclosure, Morrowind was one of the first first-person RPGs that I ever played. Yeah. Like I was playing Unreal Tournament around that time, and that was what I was obsessed with. But then Morrowind came along, and yeah, never actually played the story. I was, was too busy playing around in the world. It was an interesting <laughs> project, right? Because before that, I don't think anything else had really quite been as ambitious as what we were doing on Morrowind, right? Because um, even Daggerfall before that, which was the, the previous Elder Scrolls game, um, was kind of randomized, right? It was, it was, it wasn't, in Morrowind, every single item in the game is hand-placed. If there's a fork on a table, a person put it there, right? It, nothing was generated. It was all done by you know the, the art the, the art department would make the things the artist would make a thing we'd have all these assets but then we put it together like Legos you know we snapped it all together and put the things in the world and, um, you know you will see the same things over and over again because we use the same assets over and over again but every single one of those assets was hand placed mm. right every single curve in a dungeon 
even though it may be the same curve that you see here or there or whatever, was hand-placed. Um, and we still tried to make it different. We'd take that curve and we'd flip it upside down or we'd put a bunch of other stuff in it. We'd try to make it look different even though it was the same asset. Um, you know, and, and be, it, because every single thing that went into the game had a human's eyes on it and, 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 a, and a person physically touching it. Uh, we were able to try to, we were able to make even things that were the same look different from place to place to place. Um, we really put a, a big effort into doing that. Um, I think it shows too. You know, and then and the art guys would then make a pass on everything that we'd done and they'd tweak it here and there to, with that artist's eye, right? Mm -hmm. um, you know, so maybe, maybe we'd done it and it was, it was good, but, but maybe moving this three inches to the left would make it look better and the artists would be able to, to spot that. And, you know, we'd, we'd make it serviceable and they'd make it amazing, right? Um, but ultimately, you know, me and my team, we built every single non-story dungeon in the game. Uh, like I was saying, all the story stuff was done by, by the people that were focused on the story. Uh, but every non-story, uh, I built Pelagiad myself. All of Pelagiad is me. If it's in Pelagiad, I did it. Oh, that's really cool. <laughs> that, was, that was one of the first things I did working there. Um, was, you know, kind of my introduction to the, the editor and everything was, was building Pelagia. So like, here, we need the city built, go build this thing. Um, and so that's what I did. Um, most of my focus after that was dungeons. Um, a little bit of overworld work, like I said, the uh, entrances to the dungeons. Um, but most of my, most of my stuff wasn't, you know, physically putting stuff in there and beginning with, you know, like getting my team to do things and working with the if I built it, it was a lot of things. A lot of things. <laughs> um, so I was getting, I, I got really weird and creative with some of them, you know, trying to make like, dungeons filled with lava, dungeons filled with, you know, whatever. Um, there's only so many times you could build a dungeon and go, holy crap, it's, it looks like every other dungeon. I need to do something. Uh, so you start getting weird and creative and see, you know, Instead of using this, you know, the horizontal, what happens if I turn this asset, you know, up on its side and try to build a dungeon that way? Um, <laughs> make you walk on, make you walk on the walls instead of the floors or ceilings you know, of this asset. You know, see, see what happens. After a thousand dungeons, you're just like, I need something yeah. different, uh, please. How do, I, how do I, how do I make this different? And that's that's the hardest part, right? It's like you've got to make all these dungeons, and they all have to be unique and different from each other. And you're like, oh, it's like. I have only so many assets to use. Um, oh, but this is a dungeon, you know, that has this theme behind it. This is a dungeon that that theme behind it. So I'm, you know, but they're using, you know, similar assets, so I need to make them look different. Did you have any assets that were like off limits for you to touch besides like main story points, like the oh, yeah. stuff? Oh I mean, yeah, there's plenty of stuff that is only used in the main story. They were designed, they were created specifically for main story stuff. And they're obvious as you go into the game, you're like, oh, yeah. The only place you're going to see that is in this dungeon or in this place or this whatever, or up the volcano. Did you ever try to, like, change it so it didn't look like it and then include it in oh, a different no. dungeon? No. Okay. <laughs> no. That, no. Fair. Fair. Well, cool. Thank you for this interview. I appreciate Absolutely. it. I'd once again like to thank Royal and his family for sitting down and talking about the ever-beloved game, Morrowind. 
If you have any memories or experiences you'd like to share about Morrowind or anything else we've talked about, let us know in the comments below this episode or through our social media links in the description. This has been a special Adventure Mechanics interview. I'm Chandler, and we'll talk to you next time. The intro and outro music are excerpts from Plinian, retro gaming version, royalty-free. Music provided and produced by Lone Peak Music. Link in the description.